With that being said, check out this video and we're going to jump into the word. Check out this video. Welcome to our message series titled The Seven. As we take a look at Revelations chapters one, two, and three, and the seven churches of Revelation. It's amazing the way it opens up in chapter one as we see the Apostle John, one of the last surviving apostles as Christianity is moving forward. He's now exiled to the island of Patmos and it's there that he has this vision, this revelation from God and he begins to write it down. He falls at the feet of Jesus and he has this amazing encounter. We are going to take a look at the first seven churches. Are you ready? Let's get into it. All right. Well, today we continue on with our message series, The Seven. And today is the first Sunday of the last month of the year. And there's no better way than to be in church, to be in God's presence, to get it in, to let it, let it in. And so today, as we dive into Revelation chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And we're going to get into something that's so, so good. Something that's so important is God is writing this letter to the church. And it's our fifth church that we're taking a look at. And so let's take a moment and pray and let's just jump right in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this day and this opportunity to be in your house and to gather. God, maybe the person here who's here for the first time and all this seems new, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and minister to them. God, you would give them the hope and the peace and the comfort that they're looking for. And God, maybe the person that's been here for umpteenth years, Lord, and they're walking with you, Lord, would you strengthen them and encourage them by your word? God, minister to each of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. 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 Again, today we begin chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, and we look at this fifth church. And God is writing this letter, describing to the church what he sees in them. And so, again, let's jump right into it. If you can, open up your Bibles or your notes there on your church app, and, or, or just look here on the screen. But let's jump into verse 1. Uh, this is what it says. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis, Right. Now, again, the angel of the church is, this is the spiritual leader of the church. And Sardis was the capital of Lydia. The main religion there was worship to the temple of Artemis. And, but Sardis was known as a manufacturer of woolen garments. And we'll see that here in a few verses. But it says this, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars of God. Now, some of this can seem complicated. We're getting to this and seem a bit much, but today, again, so much of this series might feel a little bit more like a Bible study, but I'm going to break this down for you and help us to understand this. But it says, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, the seven spirits of God, how does that work? There's only one Holy Spirit, and we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, but this seven is referenced to a number that is complete to a number that is uh, full. And so the Holy Spirit gives life to the church and its life is exactly what the people at Sardis needed. And we'll see this here in a moment. Sardis has this great history, but now the church is, is struggling and it's going through some things. And I want you to see this here. But I want us to understand the sevenfold spirit of God is pictured as seven burning lamps. So we see that in Revelation 4, 5, and then seven all-seeing eyes in Revelation 5, 6. Why do I give you Revelation 4, 5 and Revelation 5, 6? Because I want you to go back and put the pieces together and see the fullness and completeness of the Holy Spirit and the way that it works here in the church. You see, the church was born when the Spirit of God descended on it in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. 
our life as a church, we exist as a church because of the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, the church begins to lose life and begins to lose power. You see, but when sin is confessed and church members, us, we get right with God and get right with each other, the Holy Spirit infuses new life into us, and that's how revival happens. When we come before the Lord with humble hearts and we get right with Him and right with each other, His Holy Spirit comes over the top of us. It says, these are the words of Him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, the seven stars. You see, Christ also controls the seven stars, who are the, the messengers of the churches, referring most likely to the pastors. You see, sometimes it is the pastor's fault that a church is dying. And the Lord of the church must remove that star and put another in its place. I want you to see this here. This is what the Bible says. It says this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Right from the beginning, it tells us that. Right, so many times as we've looked, now this is the fifth church, right? We've, we've seen the previous four. He says, listen, I know your deeds. You're doing all these great things, but not these areas. But now right here, he says, look, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're actually dead. Everyone thinks you're living on the inside, but you're dying. He says, I can see your actual state as a church. You have this reputation based on the stuff you've done in the past. And it's great. You had great revival. You had encounters with God. It was, it was amazing. It was huge. You, 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 you just, it, was, it was great. Your life with God, it was great, but you're still living on that. You're, still, you're, still, you're based on the reputation of what the stuff you've done, but, but now you're just sitting on your hands. Now, now what's, what's going on, it, it, it says this, you have this reputation of what you've done in the past. The church was known for how they used to be, and really the, the whole city of Sardis, they had this great history, they were great, but now they were in this place of, of decay. The church was known for how they used to be. God's saying, listen, that's not you anymore, and that was great, but that's not, that's not you. You can't live on yesterday's wins. You can't be a church on how you used to worship me. You can't be a church on how you used to read the Word. You can't be a church for how you used to give to God. You can't be a church for how you used to serve God or used to uh, seek God out. He says you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Verse 2 says this. It says, wake up. Someone say wake up. Wake up. It says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds, right, what we do, unfinished. Someone say unfinished. unfinished. In the sight of my God. Now, why does he say wake up? Why does he say wake up? He says wake up because as a church, they were in a deep spiritual coma. That's where they were at. See, the command to, to wake up means that they're approaching death, but they are not beyond Christ's ability to raise them up. See, they, they weren't beyond that. Christ could still work in their life. He tells them, strengthen what remains, because I found your deeds unfinished. See, God calls each church, He calls our church, He calls each of us to a specific assignment. There's things that He wants us to do, things that He wants us to accomplish, things that He wants us to, to, to be about. And their work before the Lord was unfinished. They were living on the past. 
They had, they had stopped gathering, stopped worshiping, reading the word, discipling people, evangelizing and serving their community. You see, they were decent people with a dying witness and a decaying ministry. And he says, listen, your work is unfinished. It's unfinished. In verse 3, verse 3, it says this, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Someone say received and heard. He says, hold it fast and repent. Now, what did they receive and hear? Right? The gospel message that we're saved by faith through the grace of God, that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to take our place, that we might be able to reconnect with the Father. He tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. Here's what I want to tell us this morning. None of us deserve God's love. We don't. We're just not good enough. None of us, but it's the grace of God that comes over us. Our responsibility is to place our faith in Him, and then the grace comes over, His mercy, His grace, and we're forgiven. We fit. God says, listen, I got a place for you. You fit in my arms. You don't deserve, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't deserve the love of God. But His grace comes over us. His love is for us. He sees us and He believes us. He says, my child, reach out for me. You have a place with me. This is what he tells us. He's saying, get back on track. Hold to it. Repent for what you've done and repent for what you haven't done. Then he says this. He says this. He says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Someone say like a thief. Like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. See, over and over in the scriptures, the Bible describes that Jesus is coming back. Well, we understand that. God said to his son, Jesus, Jesus lived 33 years. He died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. No one else could do this. He dies a horrible death. He resurrects three days later. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. And there he is. And as a church, we are waiting for Jesus' return, for his glorious return. See, we're, we're waiting, but he says this. He gives every single one of us the opportunity to get right with him, he says, though, I'm going to come like a thief, right? Well, like a thief, you don't know when he's going to come. You don't know when a thief is going to come. You're not going to be able to see him on your security cameras and be like, oh, yeah, there he's coming. I better get ready, right? You're not going to know Jesus is coming. Oh, Jesus is going to be coming next, next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I got plenty of time. I just, I got some things that my, I'm still trying to do. But on Monday, I'm going to get right just because the day before I give myself a little bit of time. You're not going to be able to do that. That's not how it's going to work. It, it doesn't work that way. He says, while you have breath, yes. it's your opportunity to get right with God. It's, it's, it's this opportunity, right? A thief, a thief is going to come. You're not going to know when he's going to come. He says, hey, these are going to be the signs. This is the general idea, but you don't know. And so we have this opportunity to get right, for, right with him. He says, you're either going to be ready or you won't be, but you have plenty of time. And that's for the church as well. That's for us as a body, a group of believers. Are we going to be about what we're supposed to be doing or are we just going to be living on life support? Uh, asleep on yesterday's victories. You know, I, I love Jesus' words and he's so accurate and so meticulous and so detailed in all these things as we look at this letter. But historically, the city of Sardis had been attacked twice 
Um, the first time in 547 BC by Cyprus II, and the second time in 214 BC by Antiochus III. Now, get this. Now, in my research, this is what I found really interesting about these two attacks that happened on the city. Both, uh, both encounters, both situations had to do with the watchmen on the tower and how they fell asleep and didn't have time to warn the people, right? That's the watchman's job. Like, they see the enemy coming. Hey, everybody, get ready. We're under attack. They're coming for us. Well, they had fallen asleep. And so the attack came. They took down their walls and were able to penetrate into the city. Two times this happens. And so when Jesus gives this reference to them that you're asleep, they knew exactly what that was like because historically it had happened to them twice. It was something that they hadn't forgotten. It was something that was, that was, it was in their history. They had, they had known, and Jesus says it this way. He's so great with his words. In verse 4, in verse four it says this, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. See, there's a remnant. There's a remnant. The remnant have not soiled their clothes. See, this is a, rev, a reference to the fact that um, the city was also a manufacturer of wool and garments. But spiritually, Jesus is saying, he's saying there are a few of you in the church who have had consistent obedience and courageous faith. He's saying those will walk with me. Those will be dressed in white. This refers to a, a, a victory and eternal life, holiness and intimacy with God. And then in verse 5, it says this. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Verse 6. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. The Holy Spirit says to the churches. There's a whole lot going on here in these six verses. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. There's, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot that he's saying to this church as this letter is going to be read to the entire congregation. Everyone's going to hear it. There's something I want to point out to you in verse 5. Verse 5 says, The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. And then it says this, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father in heaven blot out their name from the book of life. Have you ever had a teacher or you have a child that has a teacher that says, hey, I'm going to give you an A to start. Uh, it's either, it's, it's up to you to keep it or to lose it. Maybe you've, maybe you've had that. Psalm 69, 28 says this, erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. You see, God knows all of his creation, all of us. Every single one of us, whether you've made a decision to move from creation to child and you have that connection with the Father or not. He knows all of his creation. He knows every single one of us. And we all have a choice. We have a choice to choose him for ourselves. There's no gun pointed to your head. Nobody making you do this. Nobody that can make you do this. We each have a choice. A choice to choose him for ourselves. Our church has a choice to walk in the things that he's called us to do. You see, the message to the church in Sardis is that they have a reputation of being alive, but the truth is, the truth is they're dead. And it got me thinking, what are the signs of a living church? 
What are the signs of a living church or a living Christian? A Christian who's walking it out. And as I began to just study and prepare and see God and prepare this, I was thinking of this, how God is putting each of these as markers, as, as benchmarks for us to grow towards, to work towards, so we can see, we, we know what we're pursuing. We know why we're pursuing it. And so what are the signs of a living church, of a living Christian? Well, four things that I want to share with you this morning. The very first thing is this. Number one, sign of a living church is a church that uses past victories to propel them to do great things for God today. A church that uses past victories to propel them to do great things for God today. Listen, it could be so easy for us to get caught up in what happened, how the past was and how great it was and how it used to be and what happens there, how that situation happened for each of us, right? Maybe it was a horrible situation that happened to you. Listen, I, I love looking backwards, but if I'm not careful, I could spend too much time thinking about how great it was and miss out what could be today. Yeah. Or, or rather, plan to make tomorrow even better. You see, whatever happened in the past, whether good or bad, should only propel us to do great things for God today, to do greater things for God today. Yeah. See, God, in his letter to the church in Sardis, he says this in verse 1b. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. See, I don't want to live by my reputation of yesterday. I, I, don't, I don't want to live by my reputation. I, I, I've grown since yesterday. I, I, I've been through some battles since yesterday. Chains have broken in my life since yesterday. I'm a, I'm a better husband than I was yesterday. I'm a better father than I was yesterday. I'm a better pastor than I was yesterday. I'm a better friend than I was yesterday. I don't want to be known by my reputation of the past. That's good, that's great, but that should only propel me to be better. I, I, I can't just live on that and say, oh, well, I'm just going to sit on my hands and talk about the good old days and remember how, ooh, that's so, ooh, me and Jesus, we was, ooh, that was so good. Yeah, mm, mm. And just be stuck there. Or whatever bad happened to me, and that's who I am, and that's the mistake I made, and I guess I'll, you know, that's, this is who I am now, this is my new identity. No, no. See, as a church, we may have been good at potlucks in the past. Come on, somebody. But now I want to be a church that's good at healthy community. Man, individually, you may have gone through something horrible in the past, but God just simply wants to use that in your life so that you can stomp on the devil's neck. Come on, take this, Satan, take this. Right? The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi, he, he says this, and I want you to see these three verses. He says, I have not yet reached my goal. Right? There's, there's goals. I have not reached my goal. I'm not perfect. The Apostle Paul is saying he's not perfect. Okay. He says, but Christ has taken hold of me. So then it says this, so I keep running and struggling to take hold of the prize. He says, I keep running and struggling so they, oh, it's going to be easy. I'm just going to run. Woo-hoo. <laughs> this is it. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Watch out now. That's not how Apostle Paul is describing it. He's saying that he's running and struggling. He's, he, he, he's saying that the, the fiery arrows of the enemy are still, they're, they're still shooting at me. He's saying that the devil hasn't taken a holiday. He, he, he's saying he's running, but he's struggling. He's keeping his eyes on the prize. He knows why he's doing it. He, he, he knows that it's worth it. 
So he pushes forward when the temptations come. He pushes forward when the insecurities come over. He pushes forward when, when nobody is supporting me. He's pushing forward. He's, he's running, and he, even though he's struggling to get where he knows he needs to be. Verse 13, he says, My friends, I don't feel that I've already arrived, but I forget what is behind, and I struggle for what is ahead. Someone say ahead. ahead. I, I struggle. I know that it's worth it, so I go anyway. I struggle for what is ahead. Verse 14, I run toward the goal. Someone say toward the goal. Sometimes I got to tell that people would tell that to people on soccer. My son, look, just run towards the goal. Why are you guys running over there? Run that way. But in life, you got to run towards the goal. He says, I run toward the goal so that I can win the prize of being called to heaven. This is the prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. We don't want to be a church that's, that's living off a reputation of what, who we used to be. We don't want to be believers of how great it was. It was grand, but, you know, that was great. And I'm just, I'm just, oh, I keep, just want to talk about how great it is. But how, what is God doing today? What are you planning for God to do tomorrow? How, what, what's happening then? Where's the energy and the passion and the excitement? What else, what else can we do for the kingdom of God? See, a living church, a living Christian uses what happened in the past, good or bad, to propel you to do greater things for God today and tomorrow. See, secondly, a living church, a living Christian, is a church that evaluates any areas that may be falling asleep. Evaluates any areas that may be falling asleep. Listen, have you ever had your arm fall asleep? Maybe your leg falls asleep. You're like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? You try to stretch it out. You want to get it to work, your leg, right? You're just trying to, trying to get it going. Oh, my foot fell asleep. Oh, man, you, you want to get right. It, it bothers you. There's something inside of you that's asleep, right? Or do we just ignore it? Oh, my arm's asleep. Okay, I'm just going to let that. Uh, uh. Just keep, I'm keep going on life, but if something's asleep, I, I'm not even going to. No, we, we evaluate what's happening, Right? Something's wrong, something. My body's telling me something's dying. Some, something's in pain, something's happening. See, no matter who you are, it is, it is possible to forget about an area of your life that, that really matters. It, it's possible. It happens to all of us. Something new comes in front of us and we feel like we need to give it time and attention. Right? We, we don't intentionally you know, plan to, to forget about that area. I'm going to plan to stop going to church. That's my plan. It's going to be my goal. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm, going to do it. I'm going to plan to stop reading my word. That's the plan. That's the goal. I'm going to work hard at not reading my word or not praying. That's the goal. I'm going to put it on my, my board and boom, I'm going to, that's my plan. That's, we don't plan for that. that that's, that's, that's not the goal. What happens is something else comes and takes our attention and our time and we're giving it some time and we want to try to figure that out and make that, make that happen and then something falls asleep. Right? So, 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 something falls asleep. Now, now, if a living church evaluates the areas of our lives and says, oh, man, that's asleep. I better, I better stretch that out and get that back going again. I, I, I better work out. Oh, man, I, I, man, I haven't been reading. My, I, I need to get back. Okay, that's, that's the goal. Right? I pay attention to what's happening. I know these things are vital for my walk with the Lord, so I'm going to pay attention to them. Pastor, that sounds like work. 
Why, why would we do that? Because we want to give God our best. Because we want to honor Him above everyone and everything else. We want to give Him our best. He tells the church in Sardis, he tells them in verse 2, he says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now, we don't want to hear wake up. We don't want to hear wake up. Somebody in the first service was like, wake up, wake up. They were singing a song. I was like, hey, that's not for church. You guys don't know that song. Some of you guys don't know that song. But we don't want to hear wake up unless we've overslept. Right? We, don't, we, don't want to hear, we don't want to hear wake up from God. We want to hear good job, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear, you've been doing it. We want to hear good job, good and faithful. We don't want to hear God say, listen, wake up. Pay it, look, look, look what's dying. If you let it go like this, it's going to die all the way. We don't want to hear wake up from the Lord. We want to hear good job, good and faithful servants. And not that we're perfect. Listen, we're going to make mistakes, but get up. Don't stay there. Don't build a new reputation on the mistake. It happens. Don't stay there. Get up and keep going. God is good. See, thirdly, a living church, a living church is a church that never loses sight of what they have received and heard. It's a church that never loses sight of what they have received and heard. And the same thing for us believers. See, what is it that we've received and heard? Well, there's three things I'm going to share with you here. I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I just I want to clarify this. Number one, the gospel message. Right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? There's more verses, but I gave you that reference there. The gospel message. Secondly, the great commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, with everything that you got, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, right? The, the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? To, and then to teach these other disciples the same, Jesus says. See, this is, this is, this is everything, and as a church, may we never lose this. May we never lose this. But also, as believers in Christ Jesus, may we take this on as personal responsibility. May we take this on as personal responsibility. See, each of these things God is calling us to play a part in. You know, my wife and I were always teaching the kids personal responsibility. And as they get older, we continue to raise the bar of what that means. And God's like, here, here's the bar. Here's the bar, the gospel message. You need to apply the gospel message to your life. When you fall and you make a mistake and you do the wrong thing, you need to apply the gospel message to your life. See, we're not worthy. None of us are good enough. None of us have done the right thing, done, you know, done it the right way enough. None of us. None of us have done it that way. None of us deserve God's love, but it's by faith in Jesus Christ. I want us to see that it's by faith in Jesus. Apply the gospel message to your life. When you fall and you make that mistake, or you've done the wrong thing, you participated, you were part, would, would you apply that to your life? And then with the great commandment, I want you to get this here with the great commandment. I want you to take personal responsibility with it. Love the Lord your God with everything. Evaluate. See the things that are hindering you from this area and love God. 
Don't let anything take priority. And then love your neighbors yourself. Pastor, I could do that one, but my neighbor, hey, I don't know about them like that. And then the Great Commission. To share the love of God, to share the message with, with, with everybody. When's the last time you've given someone else the opportunity to respond to God's love? In those words, I, I think it's great that you would use those words. Hey, listen, I want to share with you what, what God's done, and I want to give you the opportunity to respond. That's what people need, is an opportunity to respond. God is so great. God is, God is, God is, his, his love is perfect. You, you could be, nope, nope, I don't have nothing, but, but you've come to understand a love that is so perfect. I get it. People have been hurt. The situations that have happened, all kinds of things that have happened. Because love is so perfect. And we need to give people an opportunity to respond. This needs to be personal responsibility. All of us are called to this in one way or another. He tells the church in Sardis in verse 3a, he says, remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. He says, hold it fast and repent. Don't let it go. Repent when you've fallen short, when you've made excuses, when something else has taken its priority. And lastly, the last point that I want to share with you this morning is a living church, a living Christian, is a church that is obedient to the Word of God. Obedience to the word of God. Some of we hear the word obedient. We're like, oh, I'm going to be obedient to who? What are you talking about obedience? I'm grown. I don't do obedience. People are obedient. No. <laughs> I want to say this. The word of God is not silence. It's not mutes. It does talk about that subject that you're wondering about. And as a church, we are called to be obedient to the word of God. As followers of Christ Jesus, we are called to be obedient to the Word of God. See, we don't just look at some passages and, and ignore the others. Ooh, this one tells me I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Come on, I receive this over my life. Yes. And this other one tells me I got to love my neighbor. And I'm like, listen, nah, uh not this person. No way. Never. I can't do that one. I want blessed and highly favored. Tell me more, right? It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to be obedient to the whole word of God. You know, my wife and I will tell our kids, hey, you know, uh, you, your responsibility today, you got to go clean your room. You got to go clean your room. And, and so they'll go off and they'll, they'll go off to start cleaning their rooms. And, you know, we'll go check after a little bit while. And sure enough, my son is, he's playing. You know, he's playing his room. If he's got a football, a basketball, a soccer, anything, he's playing, he's kicking. I'm like, son, leave the ball down, clean your room. We'll come back, we'll check a little bit later, and okay, they're cleaning, they're working at it. Finally, a little bit later on, they'll come to us and they'll say, all right, room's all cleaned. And we're like, okay, inspection time, let's go check it out, right? I'm just taking it by your word, I'm about to go check. We go over there and check it out, I'm like, wow, looks pretty good in here, not too bad, pretty good, pretty good, let me check under that bed. Whoa! What's all that? What's going on under there? And we'll say, I didn't know you wanted us to clean under our bed, too. And I say, is under your bed in your room? Yes. Well, then clean under your bed, too. And it's just like that with the Word of God. 
You don't just take one and say, oh, oh yeah, but not that one, that verse. Woo-hoo-hoo. No, blessed and highly favored, that's what I want. T- tell me more about that, but ooh, no. Is, is, is it under your bed too? Is, is that in your room? Then you got to apply that too. You got to let that, let it, let it. In, the, in that obedience is where you find the blessings of God. That's where you find his provision. That's where you find his good. That's where you find his that, That's where it happens in the obedience. Obedience to the word of God. And it's good. It's beautiful. It's, 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 it, it, it has everything you need. It'll, it'll work in your, it's alive. Obedience to the word of God. Receive it for your life. Apply it to your life. Stand on it in the midst of tough times, in the midst of storms, in the midst of temptation. You can stand on the pillar of the Word of God. You will not be thrown this way and thrown that, but you will stand strong if you stand on the Word of God. Stand on it. Trust it. See, God is looking for a church that honors Him. It tries to. Listen, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes but we don't fall down and stay there. We don't build a new reputation there. We give right back up. Okay, you know what? I did it. That's not what I want. Or maybe you're going through it right now and you're struggling and it seems like it's just this thing, this bad habit and you can't break it. But your heart says, God, I don't want it. I want to honor you. And you're battling it. But at least you're battling it versus saying, no, no, this is who I am. I just accept it over my life. You know, I'll never get that area together. That's not how it is. He tells the church in Sardis in verse 4. He says, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. You've remained faithful to God. you remain faithful to his word. Not perfect, but faithful. See, that's what the gospel message is. No one, again, no one deserves God's love. But it's by faith when we accept Jesus into our lives. His love can do anything. It can transform anyone anyone I want to say this we are a church together together we are a church not individuals and to think that any of us are perfect we're not look around the room nobody here is perfect we're not keeping our eyes on each other you're not even keeping your eyes on me we're keeping our eyes on Jesus okay but we are a church together not individuals no one is a church by themselves no one God has not called you to do this by yourself. We are a church together. We fall, we get back up, right? We got scrapes and we get back up. We keep it going. We keep moving forward. As we look at each of these, we can also see how these affect us all individually. I'm going to close with this. When I first got married, when my wife and I, we first got married, you know, we, we we had good mentors in our life, good pastors in our lives, and the question we ask ourselves is, how can we have a strong marriage? Right from the get-go, that was the question. That's what we were working from the beginning. How can we have a strong marriage? Now we ask ourselves the question, how can we make sure our marriage stays strong? It's just like that here in the church. How can we stay strong? We're going to go through stuff. We're going to face trials. But how can we stay strong? How can we stay committed to the things of God? Will God look and say, hey, Mosaic Life Church, are you guys about it? Or are you decaying? Are you dying? Are you going to be decent people with a, 
a dying ministry and a decaying witness? Or are you going to be about it? That's us together. So here's my challenge for us. And I want you to see this. See this. First two parts. Would you examine your role in the church and ask yourself the question, how can I grow in doing my part? That's it right there. How can I grow in doing my parts? Secondly, would you examine your walk with the Lord and say and ask yourself, how can I grow closer to God? Those two things. God has called us to be a church together, to be a family together. So how can I grow in doing my part? And how can I grow closer to God? Are you hearing me this morning? This is what God has for us. This is what God has challenged. This is the word that God has for us. Listen, I'm going to take a moment to pray. I'm going to pray for us, but we're also going to take a moment to have holy communion and to remember and to reflect on what Jesus has done for each of us. How special this moment is. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and thank you, Lord, for your word. God, the way it penetrates us, Lord, the way it ministers to us, God, whether we're here for the very first time and all this is new to us, thank you, Lord, for your love in our life. Thank you, Lord, for a word that, I don't know, maybe you're here this morning, you're looking for hope, you're looking for peace. I want you to know you can have it in Christ Jesus. God wants you to know that's yours. That's available to you. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and God just wants you to know, listen, pay, look at these areas. Be strengthened and be blessed in his name. Father, I thank you for your love and I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of us, God. We submit to you. We want you. We want more of you in our life. God, would you help us to be a strong church, a church, God, that you're going to look and say, good job, good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear wake up. We want to hear good job, good and faithful servant. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us, Lord? Ooh, hallelujah. By the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence now. Thank you for your presence now. 